Welcome to Worth the Fight. This podcast is designed for parents, teens, single adults, and young marrieds. So really, it's for everyone. We want to help equip and encourage you as you have conversations about love, sex, and relationships the way God intended them to be, and as we fight against the culture's lies surrounding these topics. We hope that you find this to be a safe space as we learn, grow, and experience the abundant life God has for each of us. Thank you to our generous sponsor, Florida Spine and Injury. Florida Spine and Injury is a rehabilitation center focused on providing treatment for acute and chronic pain with offices in Ocala, Gainesville, the Villages, and Lake City. We are so grateful for their partnership. Welcome back, friends. I'm Allie Phillips, and I'm the host of the Worth the Fight podcast, and we are so glad that you've joined us today. Pam Cunningham is here with us, and Pam, I can't believe it, but today is the last episode of season five. It has really flown by, hasn't it? Yes. I'm just I'm sitting here now stunned as you say that because it is um, it has been such a joy to serve alongside you and all of our guests and mm. just um, meet with our listeners. I love that we get to hear back from them and it's just really, really great. So I love what God's doing. I feel the same way. Always uh, such an honor to get to chat with you and to have people tell us that they're listening and they're encouraged mm-hmm. and they're feeling more confident and more equipped. And as we were discussing what uh, to share today, um, we were chatting just a few days ago and just talking about the real need we've seen even over the past several weeks of, as we've been um, hearing from teachers and um, leaders at schools who are asking us to come share with their students. And so you and I have been really just kind of digging into what is it if we have an hour with students, uh, what do we want to share with them? And so as we were talking about that, we decided this might be really helpful <laughs> to share with parents as well. So we decided to make this our final episode of this season. And this season has been all about real, what it looks like in real life, right? To have these conversations with your children and then also the biblical um, foundation or basis for those conversations. And that's exactly what we're going to do when we go talk to these students over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk to anywhere from sixth grade up to high school. And really, every conversation is going to have this same basis. And what we're going to do today is just kind of share some of the lies we believe um, that we are all <laughs> probably believing and definitely our students um, about sex. These are just some of them, maybe the more general ones. And then the truths to combat those lies um, from God's word. Yeah. And I would encourage you if you're listening that as Allie runs through these lies today, that you examine them for yourself to find out where you are um, in your, where your past experience and past teachings have come from. Um, And also keeping in mind that every day we're inundated with messaging. And even though like Allie and I have been doing this for really quite a while now, um, I still can be um, 
I can find myself in the grip of a lie. Absolutely. And I'm just like, how do you get here, Pam? Absolutely. But it's just that constant remembering and constant coming back to truth. Yeah. And, and please don't feel, I know this can seem overwhelming, especially if this is your first time tuning in today. We were just talking about how with each one of these things we're going to talk about, we've probably done one to two other episodes about it in more detail. So if this is your first time joining us, yay, we're so glad you're here. But then we encourage you in the break over the next few months before the next season comes out, go back and start at the beginning because we address a lot of these things in greater detail on different episodes. Um, And we also want to preface this conversation. I said like, hey, we're going to talk about biblical foundation for things. This is straight from what we be, what we've learned in our study what we've learned from other people who know the lord and love the lord and know his word but please Feel free to challenge us on this, um, test us on this. We are not the biblical experts or the experts on anything. We want to say that in every episode. We learned most of this the hard way. I I know about these lies because I've believed them all, like you said, at least at one time or still struggle with fighting them day in and day out. So all that to say, we're so glad you're here. We hope this is encouraging and not overwhelming. We wanted to make this as simple as possible, but still give you um, the amount of information you might feel that you need if you were just wanting to make sure your children were aware of lies and you felt equipped to combat it with the truth. So that's how we're going to start today. And I think that one of the biggest lies, I know you and I talk about this a lot, we spend a lot of time in our Worth the Fight events talking about this, that we have believed the lie that what I believe about God and what I think or believe about sex are completely separate. This is because of silence sometimes in the homes and in the church in the past. Um, This is because of shame that can be... um, associated with sex because we haven't had um, a lot of teaching about it if we're in the church. And and please know if you're just joining us, everything we're going to be talking about today and everything we do on this podcast has a biblical foundation. And it's from a a perspective of someone who wants to, who not only believes that there is a God, but who wants to follow Jesus and what God's word lays out for those who follow him. So The lie is that God and all things sex are separate, but we are here today to share the truth um, that God created sex and it is good. And that is one of, I think, the probably most difficult paradigm shifts we've had to make, right, in just the way we talk to our children in general. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that would be uh, the enemy's biggest weapon yeah. is first to say that that God is um, is not in this situation, that he's not involved, and he doesn't care about your sex, your body, or what you do in your relationships, and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, you go back to Genesis, you yeah. read God created um, marriage in Genesis, and he created, you know, back then, as we've talked about before, sex was the sign of marriage. It, that was the... Um, consummation of the relationship. Um, And so that sexual act in and of itself created the relationship of marriage. And so sex is hugely important 
in that lane. Um, and he did it for a reason. He said, first off, we know that God created everything good, right? So back in creation, everything is good. This is before the fall. This is when um, this was his human design for us. I mean, his godly design for us um, so that we could understand our relationship to him, just a shadow of what that could possibly look like. Um, and it was good and it still is good. Right. Even I, though we've gotten off track with uh, it. That's right. I, in, in coming up with like the, the lies versus truth, I think one of the lies associated within this lie is that God's word is outdated in this area. We've done another, we did another episode on that, or at least that was a part of it when we talked about dating and boundaries, but, um, exactly what you said, go back to Genesis for this. If you're trying to prepare to talk to your children, I think this is one of the ones we have to practice up on. Um, and I've said this before, it kind of has now become a joke in my house for my children to practice saying, I know sex is good because we just want to help fight shame in this area. And I think with this lie in particular, when we separate God from sex, then we think all questions we have relating to sex, all thoughts that might come into our brain that we want to even take to a safe space. We just we feel like we need to hide uh, like they did in the garden when, you know, go, go back to Genesis. When they realized they were naked, they were ashamed and they tried to hide. This is what happens when we believe this lie. And God intended for sex to bring life. He intended it for it to be in the light. That's right. Um, and we're being taught in today's culture that sex is not to be brought into the light, right. that it's kind of hidden That's and right. secret and illicit and things like that. But sex was about bringing life. But when it's misused, it absolutely brings death. Right. And look around you with as if, as you're talking with your teenagers and you talk about what kind of death are we talking about? We're talking about everything from stress and unable to do your schoolwork to heartache that stops you from being productive in your life. Um, to in over your head emotionally with someone who right. needs you to care for them and you're not equipped to do so. And so we'll talk about that in the second lie versus truth that we're talking about. That's such a great lead into it because one of the the other big lies that we tend to believe, a lot of this is from the media that um, we're so exposed to day in and day out, but that sex is casual and not a big deal. Um, that it can just be used flippantly. And so what we end up seeing is a very distorted, perverted version of it. And what this does is it can cause us to make sexual decisions without thinking of the very real consequences. When the truth from God's word is that God designed sex to be a part of a marriage covenant. And so even um, feeling more confident to explain what covenant is, um, and that it is uh, includes binding promises. Um, God had a covenant with Abraham, and um, it's forever. And He says, "I will, I will never leave you or forsake you." And so, in the same way, sex is a part of the marriage covenant, and it includes these very binding promises um, between a man and a woman. And it, so many times in the Bible, it talks about them becoming one flesh. So very opposite from how it's portrayed in media to be casual and friends with benefits, like that's a thing. Um, as hard as we try, that's just not real. And the truth is, it has very real physical, emotional and spiritual consequences. 
And that's really, I think, Allie, where the brokenness comes in because of the way that God created us as human beings. This covenant means everything to him. And so he gave us sex was just part of that covenant, right? right? Ultimately, it's intimacy with one another. So but within this sexual relationship, science is just catching up to us that we were to bond in a way that we could fight anything that came our way so that no one could destroy that relationship because it was so strong and bound because of this physical act um, that that was actually the bi- the the binding of two humans not just physically becoming one but also in their hearts and minds as well I think that's so important and so we will when we're talking to the students we'll camp there a little bit more I know for those of you listening I'm just for time's sake today we do have other episodes where we go through the physical emotional and spiritual consequences because that's something very important to share with your students we talk about this often how um Definitely back when I was in school, if you heard anything about sex, you really only heard the physical consequences. So in our show notes, I'll ask Mary to link those episodes where we dig into that a little deeper so that you can feel more equipped to talk about those. But it's so important that we do share with our children that there are very real emotional consequences, like you were just mentioning, Pam, and the bonding that occurs because God did design this to be forever. Think of the idea of becoming one flesh. I I was reading that as I was preparing and over and over reading that they will become one flesh. And then I think about what man has taken and the lies the enemy has intertwined and what we've reduced The act of sex to become when we watch shows about it, when we're making jokes about it, when it's just become something laughable and dirty and the porn industry has made just billions of dollars of some on something that was just intended to be so beautiful and so life giving. We've got to talk to our children about that and expose the enemy for what he is. He's a liar and anything that you think you're promised from the world. It's just, it's going to come up void and full of hurt and confusion. Well, and I think one way that uh, parents can help explain this to their children uh, or their teens is, you know, a lot of times as parents, we don't talk about having sex with, you know, between mom and dad. We never bring that up. And that to me causes a source of shame immediately on a child. So when parents can't speak friendly about just that idea, it makes it very difficult to explain to your child that you have this um, this sacred agreement between the two of you that every time that you do have sex with each other, you are recommitting your lives to each other. You are, you know, it's that, um, uh, what's the word I was thinking of? renewal. Well, yeah. And you're yeah. recommitting right. yourself to one another, literally recommitting yourself. And that should bring them so much comfort and security and safety to know that that is what's happening with mom and dad and encourage them that. So you can't just take this lightly and think with your girlfriend at 18, 19, 22, that sex, just because you're now an adult doesn't have consequences because it certainly will ask anyone who's broken up. And that's going to lead us into 
our next slide, but I want to, before we move into that, say we, we very much are aware that not everybody listening is in a place where they are, you know, in a healthy relationship with the mother or father of the children that they're going to be talking to. And so number one, that we see you and we're so glad you're listening. And we know these conversations are so, so important, but we'll encourage you to not avoid the conversations because of that, because we have a father who loves us and he can fill in any of those gaps even more beautifully, but we don't want to avoid having the conversation of the way God intended it to be, even if we don't have that. That is not our current reality. So I just wanted to encourage those of you listening who might be in that situation. Well, guys, and I mean, that was my story. Right. You know, I had to do that uh, for the most part alone and on my own until my husband caught up with me. But I knew that it was too important because the price was going to be too high to pay if I didn't have the conversations with my girls um, and with all their friends they brought alongside them, that it was just the cost was too high that we really had to fight for them. Right. And even if you are no longer married to your spouse Absolutely. or never were or whatever the situation, we know that can look so many different ways. There yeah. are ways to have this conversation and we reach out to us. We'd love to help walk say, you through that if you we, need somebody. We talk about this all the time that these conversations are relationship building That's right. between you and your child. So these are opportunities to grow closer to your child. So if, especially if there's brokenness That's in relationship, right. This is one of the most beautiful ways to heal certain aspects of that. That's so right. please be encouraged by that. That's right. Line number three that we thought was one that we see even at the youngest of ages. And this will definitely be one that we're going to be tackling when we talk to sixth graders coming up soon. And that lie is that whereas on one end, you could have the lie that sex is casual and not a big deal. Some are also believing the lie that physical intimacy intimacy is equal to the depth of the relationship, right? Um, which can cause us to make sexual decisions in order to feel loved. Like, well, this is this means that this person's going to be super committed to me. Or this means that we are so close, the more physical that we are. And I mean, I've seen young, young students who like each other, whatever the term is these days, who will touch each other physically, maybe it's something like a handhold or putting their arm around each other, because that shows everybody that they like each other, yet these same students, when in public together, will not even speak to each other, right? And something's really backwards there, but it tells you a lot about the lies that we're believing, about what relationships look like. Well, and intimacy is not just uh, based on that physicalness that you share with one another. It, intimacy is is founded in the idea that someone truly knows you. That's right. That's the truth, right? That's the truth to fight that lie that physical intimacy, intimacy alone is not intimacy. Talk to us about that. Right. And it's it, intimacy begins when you allow someone to see who you truly are, where you're not hiding parts of yourself from them or hesitating to share um, who you are with them. Um, it goes way beyond um the physical aspects of that. And the truest part of that is that often when you don't have that emotional connection, um, that honest and open relationship, 
physical intimacy that comes ahead of that often destroys the relationship Mm. because this is what you're counting on to hold the two of you together. And it does that. Obviously, it does bond you, but it bonds you in a way that is destructive because all of these buckets, like if you looked at intimacy as physical, emotional, and spiritual, they're all supposed to be filling up at the same time. So if you're filling this intimacy bucket really full, but we're really low over here in sharing who we are, things are not going to be in balance and your relationship is not going to be headed in the same direction. So true. Um, I was just looking up even definitions of intimacy, which this is not necessarily from the biblical standpoint, but um, some psychiatrists, psychologists have developed like five levels of intimacy and the greatest being um, the highest level involves, like you said, being known at the deepest core of who you are and it requires the greatest amount of trust. And we've said often our most intimate relationship should be with God, right? Because only he truly knows us and only he not even a spouse only he can truly be trusted at and will never let us down right but then marriage is a picture of that and should be the next most intimate um relationship but some are trying to jump ahead to that way before marriage and i was looking um at some biblical just like verses to pinpoint and when i thought you know In Genesis 2, back to creation for so many of these, um, when we're talking about marriage and sex and God's design, Genesis 2, 24 and 25 says, um, actually, I'm going to go back up to 22. It says, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And I love these next two verses. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. 25 says the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And I thought that's, there's so much freedom there in not feeling shame and feeling truly known because God was the creator of that first relationship um, between a husband and a woman. And there wasn't a reason, there was no sense and had not entered. I think that's really, I love that idea, right? Of, of being truly seen um, even though that's a physical representation, that's what it feels like to be truly known, to not have to hide, like you said. Right. And intimacy in today's world, explaining to our kids that intimacy occurs when there's trust. Right. Trust takes time. Right. And the ultimate goal is to feel safe and secure with that person. That is ultimately when you feel, when you know that that person is not going to walk away from you, that there is nothing that's going to separate the two of you, that you will make it through anything. That is, that's true ultimate intimacy, like you're talking about in marriage. And that's not available to us in a dating relationship or a boyfriend, girlfriend situation. That only happened on day one because that was God's God's creation. It was imperfect. That's right. Before sin entered, for sure. Exactly. But now as we look at it, that's only available to us in marriage. Right. Uh, it's supposed to be. That's right. Um, and that's where we want to keep pointing our kids. You know, you mentioned earlier about uh, maybe there's some brokenness in home and in a relationship, and that makes it difficult to have these conversations. Um, but 
in spite of that, truth is still truth. Right. And we are still God's children. And even though we may be part of a situation like that ourselves, that should never, Satan would love for us to believe that we can't speak truth to that, that we can't say this is what's God's design and this is how it was intended. And so I just, I mean, my heart is so full for that, that all of us, no matter what our situations are, understand that we cannot let any lie that we believe prevent us from sharing truth. It's so true, which leads us into the next lie. And you have, you're not even trying to do this, which is what I love. <laughs> you're not even trying to do this. But if we're not careful, we can believe our feelings are truth. And that mm. is what happens often, right? When they, we believe absolutely. someone is as committed to us as that because our they feelings feel so really real. feel <laughs> real after one week of texting, That's right. right, in the, in the sixth grade. It we, really right. feels like this is forever. And so that lie is two. It's really two parts. Um, that love is love. Okay, so we're going to break that down. And it's something I can fall in and out of, which really what happens there is um, we like I just said, we start believing our feelings. We're being led by our feelings instead of truth. And it causes to us equate to equate lust as love. And that is so far from the truth. The truth is love is a choice. It is a verb. And sex was designed to be between a man and a woman within marriage. And the reason I know that can seem off from what we were just talking about, but I think one of the reasons we so often want to quote love is love, but we are not breaking down the definition of love the correct way. Love is super sacrificial, but a lot of us are believing the lie that love is love. And in that context, we're really being led by feelings. And I'd like to add to that, that when we say it like that, love is love, I feel like we are looking at our own selves and our own needs and desires. Absolutely. And love is exactly the opposite. Right. Love is when we put the other person's well-being or the other person's needs before our own desires. Right. And that is the sacrifice there that we deny ourselves. Um certain things for a time. That's right. Until it's appropriate within God's boundaries. And remember that those boundaries um, in this physical arena that we're discussing, that we're discussing is for our protection, right? for our protection. And God says, your obedience to that is how you show that you love me. And so as we, as we try to teach our young people about what love looks like, because there's so many different, I think, um, scenes of what they can see that it looks like, that it doesn't look like anything I think that we see on TV or hear about in music or um, that's just a cheap counterfeit of this authentic love that God wants us to have with one another in marriage. It can't be done um, outside of that context. We're, and again, we're talking about the physical part. Obviously, love exists outside of marriage, right. but it is always sacrificial. That's right. And it's always a choice. And it's always love is an action. It is something you do. It is something um, that you help with someone. It's something you exercise, whether like in First Corinthians, Corinthians, that's right. Patience, kindness, right. those are examples of being loving. Um, but just when we say love is love, that is to me just an excuse of us just saying anything can go. That's right. That's and it's right. just much more special than that. 
It is. And it is very important. I know we've done an episode. We've talked about lust does not equal love. And we've done um, a couple of dating episodes. So that is so important to point out to our children. Um, and it's it's really easy to do if you're watching any kind of media. Um, if, you, if they're following celebrities and, um, you know, talking about relationship goals and that celebrity has maybe already been married three times or they're in and out of relationship and um, just talking to them about um, what relationships are supposed to look like. But I'm, I'm, we're telling you today, and I know you already know this. Um, if we're not saying these things intentionally and telling them the truth that love is a choice, I, I have to have said this at least 10 times on the different episodes, but I didn't realize that the idea of falling in and out of love was not mentioned anywhere in the Bible. I mean, I just, I started believing that lie. And so when marriage got hard, I thought, well, I mean, I don't feel in love anymore. Like I love you, like like I care about you, but I'm not in love with you. So wouldn't God want me to be happy? So you can totally even spiritually rationalize, which God wanting you me to be happy is it's also not in there either. <laughs> a lie yeah. that I liked to believe. Um, but if we don't point these, what well, my whole point, that's my whole point. I was in church three times a week, Christian college, doing all the things and easily believed the lies. Nobody told me otherwise. Nobody said, hey, let me let's talk about this idea of falling in and out of love, right? What we're talking about is feelings that can come and go and us being led by those feelings instead of being led by truths of this covenant relationship that is super sacrificial and not self-seeking. And I think um, most of us who are parents can identify with a time in our lives that we were a teenager or a preteen and we knew we knew we were in love because the feeling was so intense and overwhelming and it was for this only this one person and then maybe a couple months later it was for another person but right and I think that's the conversation yes is how do you dispel that with a teen or a preteen how do you point them to truth that those feelings while very intense and overwhelming we can sit down and dissect what's really happening here and where that that is and so that they can understand what truth the real value yeah of love is because it's not just this quick decision that you make at 13 that I, right. I love him or her that's right um, but it it is something much greater than that and that love is something that you're willing to give for that's right for another person I think too, you know, going back to even just the very first lie that God and sex are completely separate, what we're going to make sure the students know and that what's something I want my children to know is their thoughts, like we said at first, their questions, they do not have to be covered in shame simply because they have them. And we want them to have safe spaces and safe people to take those questions to so that they don't feel like they have to Google the answers or get their answers from Netflix or social media or from their sixth, seventh or eighth grade friends, right? So that's why that first one, I mean, just is so important. And um, I just wanted to make sure we went back to that because I just keep thinking about talking to these young people and they're just so, um, so willing I think to have these conversations 
and and we seem to be the ones who make it scary because of our own fears and our own lies that we've believed. Well, I think we have tried. Um, we've we've gone along with that idea of the other uh, lie that we believe that sex and church, That's sex right. and God, don't go together. Right. But we actually can't have this conversation unless we bring God's word into the story. And that sounds so old school. And kids today think they're so new and everything is is fresh to them and that you as a parent could not possibly understand. That's also a lie as old as the garden. I mean, that's been from the beginning that we have always thought we knew better. Right. We always know which apple, right? That's that right. we can eat. That's I mean, that's right. I know better. God, you're just trying to hide something. Right. That's good. Right. You, I want the best part. And we're not willing to tell them what part that is, that God has something better for you. The lie is that he's not willing to share it with you. And the truth is he's not willing to share it with you right now, that it is worth waiting for, that sex has value. And in the proper time, in the most beautiful context, That's right. that gift is for you and your spouse. And I believe that if we'll just tell them that, they're, they'd be willing to believe it. It doesn't mean they're going to follow that right perfectly. And that leads us to our fifth lie is that things are too far gone. I'm too sinful. Even young as sixth and seventh graders, we know that there are probably students who've already developed a pornography addiction or thought things or even done things that if they're trying to live by God's design, cause them to feel such shame, especially if they don't feel like they have somebody to share it with or to confess it to. And then the enemy's lying to them, telling them they're the only one and they're a horrible person and God can never forgive them. Um, but the truth that is over all of this, right, in everything, that because of Jesus, there's always hope. There's always forgiveness and the possibility of restoration if we just bring that into the light and give it to him. Exactly. Right? As you're talking, that's what I'm thinking about is young people keeping these secrets and keeping their stories hidden from the very people who could help point them to forgiveness, to redemption, pointing them to Jesus, who is the light of the world and who, you know, we're just, we're recording this just past Easter and we are so reminded of what God's big story is truly about creation, the fall redemption. He came y'all for this very reason, because his love for us was so great. And he knew this was going to be happening. This is, he's not shocked by any of this behavior or what's happening. So don't ever think that he just wants, he's given us the greatest opportunity to reconnect with him. And we want our children to know there is nothing that they've done that is too far gone. That is outside the boundaries of the cross. It covered it all. It was enough. And I love, I mean, when you kids can recognize truth, Allie, don't you find that? Absolutely. When we speak biblical truth to them, they nod in agreement because it resonates with their inner spirit and they know that. I've seen it happen all the time. I've seen it happen. And I think that's one thing I know you and I both make sure we say to anyone we're talking to, whether a student or an adult that we're talking to, mentoring, if it's my own child or somebody else's, we want them to know just that. Number one. I, too, have made mistakes. You are not alone. You are not alone. You are not the only person who has said this, done this, thought this, and you are so loved. Mm -hmm. And 
God wants you to bring this into the light so you can experience the freedom, the abundant life he has for you. It's why he died, right? So that you could stop the enemy from stealing, killing, and destroying. That's what he wants us to do by keeping it in the dark. And, you know, if there's possibility for restoration and all this grace, why do we spend so much time talking about it, right? Well, we do know that we have an enemy who wants to do that. And he uses sex and all things sexual to do a lot of stealing, killing, and destroying. And I know um, we wanted to end today with a verse. Pam, would you read it? Yes. Um, just such a beautiful, the message version version says this in such a beautiful way. Yeah. So if you guys um, pull this up on your devices, um, 1 Corinthians both six and seven, but I'm just going to read a short portion from, um, from chapter six, excuse me, chapter six and seven from chapter six, um, starting at verse, um, I can barely see guys 16 to 20. And it says it so perfectly as God's word does, but it says, um, there's more to sex than just mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact as written in scripture. The two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that can never become one. There's a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love, for becoming one with another, Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. So beautiful. Hope this has been helpful and encouraging. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode, for this season, or maybe you've listened to every single episode. We're so grateful to get to walk alongside you in this as we fight for truth and for abundant life. Keep fighting, friends. 